Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Love Letter Project. This is a project aimed at spreading love, encouragement, hope to black women, to remind them of what they forgot, that they are loved enough and valued and worthy and have always been. And I wondered where to start, right? Where do I start with this project? And what better project could I start with than me? Um, I'm a work in progress. I'm still learning to love myself, see myself as valuable, as worthy, as enough, as all the things. And I wanted to look back at myself 10 years ago because 10 years ago, my life changed Um, for the better or worse. I'm not sure. But my life was flipped upside down for a lot of reasons. Love, broken hearts, um, failing to graduate, all these different things. And I was really struggling with my self-worth, my self-esteem, my value, Um, struggling with a vision for my life, struggling to see myself as worthy and enough in that moment without the title, without the connections to people. I lost a lot of friendships. It was so much. Um, But I wanted to look back 10 years ago and give myself the advice that I needed. I want to be the person that I was 10 years ago. And that's my goal, like to be the person that I needed, to be the person that I needed when I was broken, when I was hurt, um, when I was ashamed, when I was lost, when I was confused, you know, when I lost my faith. I want to be that person for other people, but I also want to be that person for myself. And so I decided to go back 10 years ago to where it all started and to give myself a few notes of encouragement and love and support. And so I hope that this is encouraging to you. If it is, let me know. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? I would love to hear it. And let's get started. So number one, life does not end at 30. So I thought that I had to have everything together, a career, a relationship. I thought I had to have all my ducks in a row by 30 because at 30, that's when you're a real adult. And 30 came and went and I was like, girl, I ain't got it together. I'm 32 now and um, I do feel like I'm more clear on what I want to do in my life. I'm very clear on who I am or more clear, I'll say, on who I am, what impact I want to have on the world. But to say that I have my life together is a lie. And I think that I bought into that lie because you're taught that, you know, you graduate at 22, you get a job. You know, you have your life together, you have a kid, you have family, you get married. And I thought that I was behind in life because I didn't have those things or because I wasn't on the track to doing that. So it took me nine years to get my degree. I was supposed to graduate 10 years ago. It didn't happen. (laughs) And I thought that all was lost. I thought that my life was over. And it's crazy how big that felt because looking back, I'm like, "Eh." you know, perspective is everything. The older I am, the more I experience. And so I put things into perspective. But I really thought my life was over. And that if I didn't have my life together by 30, then I was a failure. But the truth is that we're always evolving, we're always changing. And also my version of success has changed. My definition of success has changed very much over the years. And I'm happy for it because it's no longer tied to accolades, degrees, you know, people. My success is determined between me and my God. And that's it. So life does not end at 30. Dreams don't die at 30. Um, There is this lie that if you don't make it by 30, then you're not going to make it. Or with singing, it's 25, right? If you don't get signed or a record deal by 25, your dreams are over. So I was 22 saying I only have three more years to be a singer. So I got to give it up. I got to find an alternate plan. But I'm so glad that I rediscovered my dreams, that I re-went for it because dreams have no limit, I haven't looked at the interview yet, but Adelia has interviewed Stephanie Perry and it's called Dreams Don't Expire. And I cannot wait to watch it because absolutely dreams don't expire. There is no age limit to dreaming. There is no age limit to rediscovering who you are. There is no age limit to joy. Right. You can pivot at 90 years old. You can do whatever you want to do. All these rules that we follow are made up. They're not real. They're not real. And if you just took the pressure off of yourself to hit a goal by a certain amount of time or a certain age, You'd be more free. You'd be happier. You'd be more fulfilled because you can see the beauty in your life now. You can take your time now. You don't have to rush because who are you rushing for? Number two, it gets better. Life gets so much better. 
And your college years are not the best years of your life. So I thought that the college years would be the best years of my life. And my college years sucked. <laughs> it was not it was not good. It had its up moments. But for the most part, I had a lot of trauma, um, a lot of experiences that were not pleasant, lost a lot of friends. I was um, I was a. Uh, I was assaulted. There were so many things that happened in my college years. And I said, if this is it, I don't want it. If this is supposed to be the happiest time in my life, I don't want my life. I was so depressed. And I thought that it would never get better. I thought that I would never heal. I thought that things would never change. I thought that I would never find love. I thought that I would never be fulfilled or happy or joyful. I thought that I would never uh, feel enough. But that's not true. It's amazing how perspective changes, again, the older you get, right? Or the further away you get from your trauma. Because once it's happening, you feel like it's forever. You feel like it's so big. It's so big. It's so heavy. It's so painful. And your feelings are valid. But even if you are going through a rough time, what I want to say to you is that it does get better. It does get better. It might get worse before it gets better, but it does get better. It does get better. It's almost like healing from like a cut, right? When you cut yourself or like say you fall and scrape your knee, at first it looks ugly, right? Like the scab comes, it's like bumpy and it might you know, have little secretions of pus and stuff like that. It's ugly. It's ugly, but it's doing its job. And then eventually you'll have a scar maybe, but you won't remember what that pain felt like. You know what I mean? Like it's there to remind you of what you went through, but it's not stopping you from living. And I want to be careful when I say that because I also know, as I said before, sometimes what doesn't kill us doesn't make us stronger. It wounds us forever. And there are wounds that I will have forever, even emotionally, but they, but things do get better. I've learned how to cope. I've learned how to get through. And though I should not have gone through that in the first place, it does get better. It did get better. And I'm grateful for better. I'm grateful for more. I'm grateful for different. And I'm grateful for distance from my trauma. I'm grateful for the tools that I've acquired over the years to deal with the trauma, even at this age, 10 years, 10 years from, that po- from that point. So, yes. Number three, you are beautiful. You always were. It has been so hard for me to see my beauty. And I've talked about this a little bit in a video I did about why I never felt beautiful or for black women who've always felt ugly. Um, It was really hard for me to see my own beauty. It was really difficult for me to see, you know, what everybody was talking about when they said, oh, you're so pretty. And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see it. It was hard for me to see it because I was teased so much. Um, I was not the one that was picked. I was not the first pick. And because of how people treated me, I thought that that meant that I had no value and no beauty. But looking back at those pictures in high school and in elementary school and even in college, I see the beauty. I see the beauty in hindsight. And I don't want to go my whole life never knowing that I'm beautiful in the moment. Right. So I'm doing the work to see myself as beautiful now so that I don't have to wait till I'm 42 to look back at my 32 year old pictures and be like, yo, you are beautiful. I want to see myself as beautiful now. So the truth is that you are beautiful and you always were. And honestly, nothing has changed. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like nothing has changed. If anything, you become more beautiful, more secure, um, more of yourself. And so that means that you have become more beautiful. One more note about the college thing that I want to mention. College is not the best use of your life. I feel like for some people it is because they kind of give up living, right? But when I think about being in college, I was broke. I I had limitations. Um, I was very insecure, I was a totally different person. And I feel like the reason why for some people, their college years are the best years of their life, because in college, they in college, they allow themselves to live, to make mistakes, to grow, to change their minds. Right. But then after you grow up, you're told you're supposed to have everything together and you don't give yourself room to be a kid anymore. You don't give yourself room to be a student of life anymore. You know, you you kind of solidify who you are and that's who you remain. But I want the best of my life like to lie in the rest of my life, right? Like I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life because college again was trash, but also because of 
the knowledge I've acquired, the wisdom, who I have become, the betterment of myself, my life should get better. <laughs> so, yeah. So for those in college, do not fret. OK, college years are not the, be- the best years of your life if you allow it to be. You can allow you can you can do the work to make sure that your life becomes better with every passing year. It doesn't have to end at 22 or 25. Like people are living their best lives and I'm loving seeing it at age 60, 70, 80, 90. You know what I mean? So let that go. It's a lie. (laughs) The next thing I'd say to myself is you're not behind in life. You are not behind in life. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. There is no rule that says you have to graduate college in four years. However, I felt like if I didn't, I was a failure, that I was dumb, that I really wouldn't be successful, that my professor was right in saying that I would never be a a professional uh, interpreter. And though I am not an interpreter at this point in my life, maybe later on I will be, um, I am happy. I'm content. I'm content with where I am. I'm no longer forcing myself to be, be somewhere that I'm not. I'm no longer waiting until I hit you know, a moment or a milestone to see myself as good enough. I am happy where I am because I am present with where I am. I am no longer, I'm no longer trying to hold on to the future and, you know, control it. No longer trying to hold on to the past. I'm trying to be in the moment. And in the moment, I am healthy. I am happy. I am whole. I have everything that I need. Um, I'm creative. I'm having fun. And so I'm in the right place at the right time. Um, It took me a long time to get my degree, but Girl, you're not behind. You, you, you're exactly where you're supposed to be, where you're supposed to be. Um, have grace with yourself. Have grace with yourself. The next thing I would say is half of the stuff won't even be important to you in 10 years. <laughs> half of the stuff I went through 10 years ago are not important to me now. They do not weigh so heavily on my heart. Again, I said I lost a lot of friendships 10 years ago. People I thought were my family, like my sisters, my blood, like blood couldn't make us thicker. I could not imagine living my life without them and not saying they don't matter or that I don't still love them. But I am healed from that. And I thought that my life was over. But half of the stuff when I was 22, worrying about half the stuff, even half the men, please, not important, does not matter. You're happy. You're happy. So let it go. (laughs) Let it go. Half the stuff will not matter to you or be important to you in 10 years years. That professor who said that I would never be successful, I have never seen her since then, don't want to, but her words do not stick with me. They don't stick with me because at this point at 32 years old, I know that she was wrong. She was also probably racist Um, and she had her own issues and they had nothing to do with me. So yes, that's the next thing I would say. It's interesting when we're so close to something happening that we can't see our way around it and we just have to go through it. Like I was trying so hard to avoid going through, doing the work to go through all that hard time, but the only way to healing is through, is through. Instead of avoiding it, just honor your feelings, be honest, and start doing the work to heal. And sometimes that means laying in your depression and your sadness and your sorrow and being honest about what you feel. The next thing, I'm so sorry people hurt and failed you. You didn't deserve that. I'm so sorry people hurt and failed you. You didn't deserve that. Because I was going through so much, I thought I was like, maybe it's me. You know how people say, like, if you're going through a lot of stuff, maybe it's you. Sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's the people you're around. And the people I was around had convinced me that it was me, that I was the problem, that I would never be loved, that I was doing too much, that I wasn't doing enough. All these things, all these people in my life were adding um, to my lack of self-esteem, to lack of my self-esteem. And nobody was fighting for me. Nobody was saying, this is not okay. How you're being treated is not okay. No one was saying, um, you know, I'm sorry, or I'm going to defend you. Even up until my, uh, my assault, my sexual assault that happened to me. I told my friends, no one stuck up for me. No one, no one stuck up for me. And when you have, a mo- when you have moments like that, where you're 
unveiling your deepest, darkest secret, your most, your deepest pain and trauma, and people tell you that it's your fault or that it doesn't matter or they get jealous, and that happened to me too, which is very wild, you start to question your worth and your value and your validity. Did that really happen? Is that really that big of a deal? I guess not. If they're not making a big deal out of it, maybe I'm doing too much, right? When no, someone should have said, yo, that's not okay. What do we need to do? <laughs> like, I wanted to be, I, I needed a friend like me. I didn't have that back then. Um, and I'm just so sorry that that happened to you and that shouldn't have happened to you. So if you've gone through anything in your life and maybe you've never got the apology you deserve, maybe you've never got justice, um, maybe, you know, you're still dealing with the trauma of that. I am so sorry that happened to you. I am so sorry. It should not have happened. It is not okay. And I would offer you a hug. The next thing I would say to myself is you're not someone's punching bag. You're not. We can empathize and love people from a distance, <laughs> but love does not require suffering. Love does not require suffering. I thought, again, for my relationships, my friendships, my romantic relationships, that in order to be loved, I had to suffer. There had to be a part of me that had to be given up or abused in order to get affection, approval, love, support, all these things. But really, love does not require you to suffer first. Love does not require you to bend yourself in half or to break yourself. Love does not require breaking. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I thought that being someone's punching bag was helping them that in order to help them, I had to be around for their abuse or I had to walk them through, you know, the things that hurt them in their trauma when really it's like, no, I can love people from a distance, but if they are unhealthy or harmful to me, it's okay to walk away because love does not require suffering. You do not have to suffer to be loved. And I hate the struggle love, you know, narrative. I hate it. This idea that black women specifically have to stay around and be ride or die or suffer long in order to get love in return when it's like, no, you're worthy of love, period. You're worthy of safety. You're worthy of support. You're worthy of protection. You're worthy of provision. You're worthy of all of that. And it should not require you, you know, breaking yourself in half to get those things. Because at that point, it's not worth it. It's not love. It's abuse. It's abuse. And I was caught in these abusive cycles of people being nice and kind to me, then breaking me again, being nice and kind to me. And it was easy for me to it was easy for them to manipulate me because I was already broken. Once they had broken me, they had me. You know what I'm saying? But I wish I had someone around me to say, don't let these people break you. Don't let these people break you. They do not deserve you. And you don't deserve to be anyone's punching bag. And even in that, that bitterness that I felt about being people's punching bag, I thought that God was putting me up to it, that he required me to break myself and to suffer. But I realized that God is not a God that puts you in suffering just for suffering's sake. Like, that's not him. That's people. That's man. And yes, church folks have hurt me. Church, church folks or church-like folks, um, church groups that I was a part of, Christian groups that I was a part of, really traumatized me in that because they made it seem like suffering was holy. Suffering was a good thing to do and that this is what God required, that God required for people to, for people to use and abuse me in order to benefit them. And if they were benefiting from my life, and even if it came to my detriment— that God was honored in that. And he's not. That is not honoring. That is abuse. That is not okay. That is not what God requires. And once I realized that truth, I was set free. I was set free and my relationship with God got better because I was no longer um, putting myself in positions or allowing people to use me. Nah. God don't want you to be abused or used. He wants you to be loved. That's it. Loved. Next thing I would say. (laughs) It is okay to quit. You're not happy. You're not happy. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. I wanted to quit school for so long, but I thought that if I quit, I would be a failure. It meant that I was a quitter. It meant that um, I was a failure. 
And the truth is that I know that school is not for me. I don't like I don't like grades. I don't like grades. I don't like being lectured at. I like learning with my hands. I don't like paying thousands of dollars to have someone tell me that I'm not good enough. I just want to learn. The thirst for knowledge is there, right? But I just was not happy. And I wasn't happy at that school with those people, those people that abused me. I was around them constantly. And I was not happy. I wish I just trusted myself and left. It's okay to quit things that are no longer for you. It's okay to leave relationships that are harmful. It is okay to choose yourself and to trust yourself. I am trustworthy. And the thing is, like, I was taught to not trust my intuition, right? I was taught to, you know, trust everybody's words over my own, over my own thoughts and opinions. And this leads to a distrust in yourself, right? When you when you keep questioning like, oh, well, maybe maybe that's not what I meant. That's not what I really feel. Or I'm going to keep going. You learn to betray yourself. And if you keep betraying yourself, you don't trust yourself. And so I couldn't hear myself. I heard other people's voices louder than my own. And so I realized that I need to prioritize hearing myself, but also trusting myself and quitting things that no longer serve me. They don't feel good no more. They don't feel good anymore. Number nine, break up with him. (laughs) Break up with him. Don't regret the love you gave. You're not stupid. He just didn't appreciate it. Yeah, that goes for a lot of men that I dated in my college years. I don't regret any love that I gave because I know that it was pure. I know that it was honest. Um, I know that it was forthright. You know what I mean? I know that it was serving other people. But the men that I dated in college were garbage to me. I'm so sorry. They were garbage to me. You know, I could still love them. I could still uh, wish the best for them. (laughs) But they were not very kind to me. And it was really hard. It was really hard for me to come to that realization that like, oh, it's not me. It's them. (laughs) It's them. Because a lot of them had me convinced that it was me, that I was the problem. Again, that people tell you, Oh, if it's, you know, if too many things happen to you, you're the problem. That's not true. Sometimes people see a pattern and they link and they and they link into that problem. They want to be the next person to take the ride in your life. You know what I mean? And if this person got over on you, then it might be easy for me to get over on you, too. There were a couple of instances like that where, you know, they had all the, you know, the makings of a good person in the beginning. And then at the end, they were monsters. They were emotional terrorists. And I mean it wholeheartedly. Um, And there's this conversation going around with, oh, women need to choose better. Women need to. No, men lie. I'm sure women lie, too. But men lie. Men lie about their character to get what they want from you. And then halfway in, especially with abusive relationships, you're in there and you don't even know how you got there. It's like, who would opt into an abusive relationship? Be real. These people are master manipulators. And a couple of people I dated were master manipulators dump him. He's garbage. The first sign, you know, you're trying to be forgiving and understanding. Everybody's not perfect. You're making all these excuses. Nah, girl, dump him. Dump him. Stop giving him chance after chance. You deserve better. All right. The next one. (laughs) The next one is all that love you freely give to others, give to yourself. There was a phrase that keeps going around like you can't love other people until you love yourself. I don't know if that's true. I've struggled. I've wrestled with that thing because it's been very easy for me to love other people. Very easy. It's been difficult to love myself and loving other people takes the energy off of having to face yourself because you're putting all this energy and effort into upholding, building other people up. You know what I mean? Seeing other people that you don't see yourself. And so I would tell myself back then, instead of trying to love other people, lead other people to Christ, instead of trying to serve other people, instead of, you know, trying to remind other people that they are loved, that they are worthy, that they are enough. The same tune I've been singing for at this point, 10 plus years, say it to yourself. Until you believe it. Do the work, right? And again, I give myself grace because I didn't have the resources to go to therapy. That's when I was broke. I didn't have the resources, the language. And it wasn't really normalized back then as well. Things have changed. I'm grateful that they have. But I didn't have the knowledge that I needed to do the self-work. There was no, you know, black women screaming, 
self-worth and self-care back then. It was kind of like you're on your own. You're figuring it out. So I would have grace with myself as well. But that love that I gave freely to other people, willingly, even the grace I gave other people that I should not have given them, I should have gave myself. I was so hard on myself, so mean to myself. I was not my own friend back then. I was my enemy, literally. I, in a lot of ways, I hated myself. I did. I didn't see myself as beautiful. You know, if you're around enough, if you're around abusive people enough, you start to question your own value and worth. You start to believe them. And that's what happened. And I wish that I went back in time or somebody at the time would say, like, you're, you're worth so much more than this. You're worth so much more than this. They are attracted to your light. Don't dim it, even though they can't appreciate it. I was called naive a lot. I was called, you know, silly a lot, childish a lot, because I love hard. I love hard and I love ideally. I dream of a world where people don't have to suffer, don't have to struggle, (laughs) and where people can be loved freely. And people thought that that was like silly of me, childish of me, right? But that's a part of my light. A part of my light is giving to people freely, kindly, to, to seeing the ideal in people, seeing the good in people. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with that light, but make sure that you're bringing that light around the right people. Make sure when you, when you are shining a light, you attract everybody. So even this idea of like you attract who you are, that's not true. If you're a person that has light in your life, you will attract everybody. Light attracts moths, butterflies, mosquitoes, people, right? And so, you know, I thought that, oh, if I dim my light, less people will come to me and therefore I'll be hurt less. You know, if I dim my light, if I keep things to myself or close, you know, close to my chest, then I won't be hurt anymore. But the truth is I was hurting myself by not shining my light, by not being myself, by, you know, dimming my own light, pushing myself into a box that didn't fit me. Um, And that was to my own detriment. But I couldn't see it at the time. And so the truth is that there's nothing wrong with my light. There's nothing wrong with me. It's that some people can't appreciate it. And so I need boundaries. What I really needed someone to tell me was to have boundaries, to take care of myself, to prioritize my safety, to prioritize um, the, uh, my own security, to put boundaries in place so that I'm not taken advantage of. It's not me. It's them. <laughs> it's them. One more thing I would tell myself, it's okay to fall apart. Ten years ago, I was trying to hold everything together. I was trying to be perfect, trying to keep up this image, trying to uphold other people's reputations, protecting their reputations, even though they hurt me. I was trying to look like I had it all together because I thought at 22, you're supposed to have it all together. This pressure was not good for me. This pressure to not break was not good to me because I was breaking, but I wasn't able to fall apart. If I can go back in time, I would give myself a hug and allow myself to fall apart because sometimes you need to fall apart. I will let myself cry, drop the things, not be responsible for other people or for the success of organizations I was a part of. I would allow myself to mourn. I would allow myself to be angry, to throw a fit, to not, to not have to push down um, or swallow my feelings or my emotions. I would tell myself that I'm proud of myself for doing the best that I can with what I have. I would give myself permission to fall apart because sometimes we need to fall apart in order to heal. Like, I don't, I don't think it's healthy that we swallow our emotions. It's not healthy that we pretend to be okay when we're not. It's not healthy to try to protect other people's images when our own, when our own selves are breaking. It's not okay. It's not okay. So that's the thing I would tell myself is that it's okay to fall apart. You don't have to have it all together. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to not be okay. And that freedom itself would set me free. <laughs> that the freedom to not be okay would set me free. Because then I wouldn't feel crazy. I wouldn't feel like a bad Christian or a bad person for experiencing these emotions and for not having it all together. Yeah.
um, and when I look back at myself 10 years ago, I am proud of myself. I am proud of myself. I, I did the best that I could. I can honestly say that I did the best that I could with what I had. Um, it wasn't fair what I went through, but I'm so proud of myself. I see myself. I hope that you see you. I hope that you do this exercise. What would you say to yourself 10 years ago? How healing could that be if you gave yourself permission to just be okay, to not be okay, to not have to have it all together? Like, could you heal that part of yourself? Could you heal that part and move forward? So yes, please share with me the things that you would tell yourself 10 years ago. Share it with us because I think that there is wisdom in everything that we share and the love letters we write ourselves. But also understand the letters that we write ourselves are also letters to other people. People need to hear your wisdom, need to hear your experiences. That shame that we have for some of the stuff we go through is not helpful for us, but it's also not helpful for other people because if we keep our lips closed and tight, other people won't grow because of what we went through. There's so much wisdom in our well and we're unwilling to tap into it because we're afraid of what people might say, the shame. What will they think? Who cares? Who cares? It's like what I will say. It's okay to care, right? It's okay to care. But healing is on the other side of that. And that is so much more worthy um, of an endeavor than trying to control what people think of you. I have no shame. I have no shame. I have no shame in what I went through 10 years ago, even though I was ashamed of it, of the sexual assault, of the failing, of the drinking, the self-harm, all that stuff. I was so ashamed back then. And it was a prison. And I'm so glad to say that I am free. I am free. I feel no shame about it. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. I am grateful for those experiences. And I'm grateful that those experiences can set other people free now. You know, so I set my 22 year old self free and I hope that you do, too. And if you enjoy this, please let me know. Leave a comment. Leave a like if you liked it. And yeah, let me know what you would tell yourself 10 years ago. I would love to hear it. I will take it for myself and I will see you all in the next Love Letter Project. All right. Bye. <laughs>